Hey there, this is Jason Scott of Archive.org. You're listening to the Scene World Podcast, getting history over the air. Hey everybody, it is the Scene World Podcast. I'm AJ, that's Jurg over there. That's me over here. And I can see this time because I've moved the window. Um, nice. It's in a, a minute, podcast. Yes, yes it is. In a minute, we are talking to Casey Ross and Walter Day uh, about um, Arcade Fire, the redemption of Billy Mitchell. It is a stage production, a play, which is currently um, not going on because um, the world is a horrible, horrible place. But hopefully we'll, we'll get back to where it will be performed soon. Would it be what I call um, a musical? I believe that it is, yes. Um, yeah, and also the first time Walter Day in the podcast. I mean, we had yeah. Walter Day in video interviews, but never mm-hmm. in the podcast. So hey, That is true. So that Welcome is awesome back. Welcome back, yeah. Walter. Yes, indeed. So um, we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, in the meantime, we got a little bit of news. Um, first, before news, we go into the news, news how, how are you? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Nice, my, nice. My, my, my mental health has been better. Um, I live in the United States, so everything is terrible. Uh, but well, but, you are you are probably not trumped off by the new president. I, I hope or that there's a new. To say Biden. I hope that there's a new. You know, you know, we know we don't we we don't want to be we don't we try our best. We really don't want to be political on well, this it didn't, podcast. It didn't, it didn't work out last last yeah, time. I know, but we we try not to be political. If anyone follows my Twitter account, they know exactly where I stand on most of this stuff because I retweet a lot of stuff. But but Jesus Christ, um, it this is it's October when this is coming out. So November third is election day. Um, please please vote and. And yeah, this this is horrible. Well, yeah, and and I think a lot of people have been been having the same sort of mental health crises that we've been going through here. Well, so, I mean, I mean, I mean, now the people have it in their hands, you know, to mm-hmm. change things again. Yes. I'm, I'm German. Fortunately, for me, the decision has to be made next year. But um, our choices are, I think, a lot better than yours. Uh, um, yeah, I think anything. I think a, um, oh, a stick Brazil. laying in the mud would be except a better than... Brazil. Their president isn't very good either. That is true. That is true. Uh, but yeah, so I hate to... Sorry, sorry to bring politics into it. But, but everybody, if you're in the U.S. and you're listening to this, vote... You can do it. You can do it. But we're doing it by mail. I mean, you know, they, they request a thing. There's websites. I'll put a link. I will put a link to a site where you can find out information about your state voting stuff so you can go and do it. There's still time. It's not. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway, news, news. <clears throat> we're, we're, news. We're, we're a retro computing podcast. That's that's what we do. No. Uh, like reoccurring. Um, um, reoccurring. Um, Elections. Yes, yes. Um, anyway, anyway, anyway. News. Yeah. Yes, First news, bit, news. Uh, a 128 game. Yeah, there's a new game for the C128 uh, called Volley for Two. Um, 
It's based kind of on an old DOS game called Arcade Volleyball. Um, it looks really good. It actually supports dual screens, so the 40 column shows gameplay, while the 80 column shows the score. Uh, it looks... And, and, and it's NTSC and PAL. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've seen videos of it, and you're probably looking at a video of it right now, because um, I'd probably put it there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's available as a download right now. It's out. So... And it has been shown um, last weekend in the Vintage Computer Festival. Yes, which Berlin. Just yeah. Was that a, was that an in-person thing? Do people actually go to that? I have no idea. I, oh. I am. Berlin is very far from me. Okay, okay. And and if you have an REU uh, RAM expansion connected, then um, it will record gameplay and do um, allow you to rewind and play back in slow motion. Yeah. So that's. I mean, this is. Play back and see how miserably yes, I failed. Exactly. I'm not sure I want that. In, in I mean, slow I mean, motion. I mean, I mean, aren't you that guy when you played like Microsoft soccer or, or whatever soccer game, and they were and for your friends like like let me see that again how I made the goal and you were like instantly hitting space so the replay wouldn't show. Aren't you that one that kind of person too? Um. I don't. I don't know. I probably if it's someone else scoring the goal, if it's me doing it, I totally want to see it again. No, I, I when when I was doing the go- when 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 he was doing the goal, I was instantly hitting the power button. Like, hey, I want you <laughs> to see that. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> There's a door. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got another piece of news here. It's just a quicken about the uh, Mega sixty five. Um, and Mega a, 65. Yeah, which I still want. People at Mega 65 or, or, or at the Mega. Mega. Um, yeah, um, you know, I, we're, we're, we're the press um, review version. Uh, right, right. I got I got room right right here on my desk. You know, just send a P.O. box uh, 4699. Um, <laughs> um, $800 product. No yeah, problem. Yeah. Here you um, go. But they're testing more than 20,000 games on it to make sure they all work properly. Do you know if this new 128 game is included? I do not know. Does the Mega 65... That's that's another question because the Mega 65 has a 64 mode and a 65 mode, but it, I don't think it has a 128 mode. Isn't 65 plus 65... Uh, 64, 128? No? <sighs> Hardly. Hardly. Um, yeah, I don't think that the, the C65 had a 128. It had a native 65 mode, but that was totally different from anything else. And So I don't think that this that a 128 game would work on the Mega 65. Oh, now, the Mega 65 being FPGA-based and able to be reprogrammed, there it's quite possible that they could put a 128 mode in there. Maybe they have, and I just haven't been paying attention, mm. but... I don't think that the original the original C sixty five had a one twenty eight mode. So now we have a one hundred twenty one hundred twenty eight game. That means in the future we'll have a CPM game. Yeah. Oh God. Let's yeah. not. Let's not do that. Uh. No. No. Not not if we can help it. Um. Loading speed slower than tape. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And the final thing that I got here um, is that Retro Games Limited, who we know from the you know C64 Mini, 
and D64. And D64, yes, yes. Um, they teased something. Uh, they said coming 2021. And it's just a silhouette of a thing. And that thing looks very suspiciously like an Amiga 500. Mm. I would love a miniature version of this as X64. That yeah, I don't know how that would with work. a little with a very very tiny CRT screen. Oh good God! Wouldn't that be wonderful? But battery powered. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally. But it so so it, for ten minutes at a time. Yeah right right, but so it enough looks like, to crash in a game of test drive. Yeah yeah, so it looks like um, Retro Games Limited maybe making an Amiga five hundred mini. Oh just gosh! Mini. I mean, I mean, or or maybe even a full size one. God only knows. Who knows? Oh God! Who knows? And, and the Amiga S version? I'm not so sure about well, that. Well, maybe, maybe they'll come up with a solution that that uh, you know, maybe they'll come up with a solution that no one's thought of. Maybe they'll 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 create peace in the 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 the, the Middle East of of the Amiga OS wars. Maybe you are wrong, and it's a C C sixty five mini. Maybe, maybe it it looks like uh, the picture is probably on the screen right now, so people can see it. It looks a lot like what an Amiga five hundred. It looks like that silhouette. So that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm betting on. That's what everyone else seems to think too. Well, probably you don't need Amiga OS because the games are just preloaded on there. Yeah, yeah, probably. And and you know, it's it's interesting too because there's already so many sort of um amiga things you know like there's the the mini mig and the the um, mist mist yeah all that stuff that already kind of does amiga so to come Which out with something interesting else. because in german it means shit what? and it was like why would somebody name a product like that because in english mist means fog yes but so 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 if mist means shit in German, does mister mean shitter in German? No, no. This just got us kicked but, off but, iTunes, but by the, the way. But the, guy, <laughs> but, the guy, but the guy who invented that piece of hardware is German. Okay, so he should so know that So he should then. have known better, yeah. Well, that's all I got. What you got? You got anything happening? Well, the 128 game came actually yes. from me. So oh, yes, that's true. That's true. It was sent to us by the coder. Yes, who we should have on. We should, you know, reach out to him and get him on here. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, well, that's our problem right now is that we don't know when to put out all the episodes. Uh, we're. It's such a yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> uh, let's not even get into that right now because, we'll, because this intro started, will be six hours long of us trying to debate when to release each thing making timetables like, yeah. well years ago then we get the opposite problem like uh-huh. who can we talk to next month I have no idea did yeah, you email yeah. them yes did they answer no so what do we do I don't know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we was... were begging for people to come on well, I don't know if it was ever that bad, but <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a joke. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's the news I've got. That's the news he's got. So, 
Let's have go to Casey. Costco. Yeah, we have Casey Ross and Walter Day hanging out over there. And it's daytime. Will... In the daytime. Yeah, well, it's the daytime here. You can't tell what time it is over by you. It could yeah. be daytime for all they know. They have no idea. <laughs> it's bright. I can see things. He's Walter at day and at night. Yes. <clears throat> so that's there. Let's go. Hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. Um, we are here today with another podcast episode <laughs> with Walter Day and Casey Ross. Welcome Hello. to the show, guys. Welcome. Hi. Thanks Hi. for having us. Great. I'm very happy, especially, to see Walter again after six years of our last Skype video call. So thanks for turning in, Walter. I'm honored to be on the show. <laughs> Today, we will be talking about the musical slash theater <laughs> that Casey is actually doing about the life of, um, of Billy, Billy Mitchell. <laughs> the one, well, I can't say the one and only because his son is also Billy Mitchell. Yes. So the, uh, the iconic Billy Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, it actually um, follows the cheating scandal that started about two years ago. So uh, I affectionately call it Mame Gate or the maiming of Billy Mitchell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, sort of where we got the inspiration and spitballed from there. So how did you get in touch with with all this arcade craze? Um, I'm not a gamer in any way, shape, or form. Um, I'm kind of a pop culture enthusiast, so I knew of Bill kind of just from 90s and retro culture. He's kind of ingrained into the fabric of pop culture. Hmm. And um, I had actually written a spoof musical on the X-Men, and um, I had my leading actor who was going to play Wolverine have to cancel on me. Um, Badger in my show is the joke. Um, his claws are in his feet. But um, we were watching some <laughs> YouTube videos and Bill kind of popped back up in our periphery with the start of Main Gate. And I just thought that would be kind of an interesting tale to tell. Like, where are they now after King of Kong? And... Um, It was then that I kind of made it my mission to get his okay on it. I didn't want to hurt any feelings with this. I, I believe that comedy is a powerful weapon, but you should be positive with that. Um, so I wanted to make sure that no, uh, no swings were taken that actually hurt people. Um, and I wanted to make sure that everyone was reached out to um, that's involved in the show and character in the show. Um, and Bill was not easy to find. He's not on Facebook at the time. He wasn't on Twitter at the time. I didn't have his number or his email. Like, I didn't know the guy. Um, so I kind of had to go on a stalking mission, and I found Richie Knuckles on Facebook. And so I just started blowing up his Facebook messenger with phone calls, and finally he picked up. And um, luckily for me, he picked up during the Kong off, and Bill was playing right next to him. So I got a, well, he's right here. You want to talk to him? And... The rest was history. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so you didn't go over Walter like I did six years ago. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I, I was actually a little bit more intimidated to get in touch with Walter because I was like, you know, Walter's the, the father of esports here. You know, I got to hit Billy first, get the, uh, the mean guy out of the way and work <laughs> okay. my way out. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd kill me for telling that he was nice to me. So he was, he was terrible to talk oh, yes, to. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know how you see it, Walter. Do you do you think yourself that you are so famous that she was right in going another direction? Well, you know, I actually, uh, I actually don't have a personality that thinks it's famous. He's famous. I don't walk around thinking that at all. I have no inkling. If people are strange, people that I don't know come up and say hi to me because they know who I am, I'm just glad, glad to meet them. I have no, <laughs> no inkling of me being any kind of different status or any kind of different person. Everybody's people, and I'm people too. And so the, the fame thing is completely, completely a hallucination, <laughs> completely a delusion, completely an illusion. Some people, like one time, I was on a big, big national or maybe it was even international TV show in December 1988. It was called the Gary Collins Hour magazine. They flew me out there to California, and in Los Angeles, I appeared up on the stage beside Jan and Dean, Florence Henderson of the Brady's Bunch. Is that who yeah, she's Brady from? Bunch, yeah. Yeah, the Brady's Bunch. Uh, uh, some of the Beach Boys. Uh, the whole crew from the famous TV show called Laugh-In. We're all hanging out there together. And uh, most of them were just natural, normal people just happened to have fame smacked all over them, whether they liked it or not. But Florence Henderson was actually into being a celebrity. And she would hardly have anything to do with me. It's actually a, it's actually a, mental, it's actually a mental delusion that can capture you. And it's kind of unfortunate, but uh, essentially I don't have that. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just Walter. I'm just Walter who can hardly pay my rent. <laughs> well, I remember you told me you started all this because you wanted to play for free in your own arcade. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one of the big motivations, that I wanted to play video games as much as possible. So essentially, I started my own arcade so that I could stay up all night to two, or at least two or three in the morning playing video games with the kids. And that's what I did for a few years. I probably did that for about three years before I hmm. finally thought, what the heck am I thinking and stopped doing it. <laughs> it wasn't so free, was it? No, no, no. <laughs> but video games were tremendous fun for me. Tremendous fun for me. They just they just went right into my heart and it was just so much happiness and bliss playing video games and completely intrigued by the process of unfolding my full mental potential and gaining a, a, just a higher resolute excellency in game playing, and also how this would apply to other players. And so that was really kind of like the, uh, the mantra, some people use that word, of my whole existence in the gaming field, and that I was intrigued by the process of excellence and, uh, and wanted to, to map out that process of gaining excellence as shown in, in, in the realm of playing video games. Hmm. And so it was a very long journey as I examined it from every side over the period of many, many years. And that's why, as you saw that article that I just forwarded to you, Jörg, that, uh, that uh, some of my efforts are now being reviewed and uh, actually uh, considered from academia. Well, that's something that's, you've seen yet in New Jersey. That's something big. That's something big. So I wonder, Casey... What are you covering in are you covering this what Walter just explained about he how he came to the video game industry and the arcade? What do you cover in your uh, theater slash musical? 
So the show premiered at a theater festival um, called The Fringe, which you guys have that in uh, Germany. There's a fringe in Jersey as well. Um, it's kind of a, a widespread international thing. But in our fringe, you have to do just an hour-long show. So it started out a little bit shorter, and it really did just focus on the initial cheating scandal with a couple of flashbacks um, into kind of how the guys came to be at their status in gaming. Uh, but you didn't get a lot of that backstory, which is the one thing I, I didn't like in premiering something so dense okay. in that short setting. So the second time that we did it, after I had sort of um, gotten the opportunity to 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 befriend these guys, I can talk. Um, I decided to extend the piece and uh, bring everybody back out and do like a full scale two hour show where you'll get to go back uh, to, you know, when Bill's 17 and just reaching out to Walter to start the contest. Um, we've added a song that Walter actually hasn't gotten to see yet. I will have to send him a video on email uh, called Greatest in the Twin Galaxies, where Walter actually plays it on guitar and informs the guys that they'll be the greats of gaming and um, I get a lot more of that that early backstory which I've had a lot of fun with and I think it supplements the show really nicely um, the happy incarnation that I have now is about 90 minutes so hmm. you get kind of the best I of both thought, I thought that you should be having me do a song titled what the heck am I thinking <laughs> <laughs> get that in there <laughs> I do what is the people my work too, so you know we'll have to do the Walter show. What is the show <laughs> called, there. actually? I'm sorry. What is the show called? The it's name? called Arcade Fire: The Redemption of Billy Mitchell. Um, people ask me all the time, do I get uh, backlash from the band? And I don't. I reached out to them on Twitter. Actually, I've combined the word. It's just kind of a pun, like arcades, fire, Billy makes hot sauce. So. Right. Just a silly little title, but if I had to, I could just go by the redemption of Billy Mitchell. Um, people know it both ways. Now, you have sent us photos and video snippets of the uh, musical, and I actually had a look, and I was impressed that the guy who plays Billy Mitchell really looks like Billy Mitchell. <laughs> Which is not <laughs> an easy thing to accomplish. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we should talk about how you go with actors and planning stage of doing the musical, because I think that must be the hardest part, finding the right characters. Yes. Um, the first incarnation, Steve is actually, um, the actor you're speaking of, is our second Billy. Um, our first guy was Luke McConnell, um, who facial structure-wise, like just in the face, he kind of looks like Bill, but he does not have the sweeping hair. He did not have the beard. Um, he was tall and he sang very well, and he was completely aware of who Billy was. So that's kind of what married me to that actor who read for wow. me is just the knowledge of who he was playing and having some context of doing a, a decent impression. Um, Steve, on the other hand, I saw him in a comedy um, at the Fringe Festival the year we did Arcade Fire, and you know he had the hair, he had the beard, he's he's pretty tall, and I was like, man, if if I could ever reach out to this fellow, that's my next Billy. And uh, sure enough, he became available right when I needed a new Billy Mitchell and had no clue who he was playing, but just uh, jumped in with both feet and has now since met Billy. So his impression's getting pretty good. <laughs> I actually saw um, a quote on Facebook from, from Billy where he says, he really looks like me. And um, that's, that's great. <laughs> so he really he really likes the actor himself. 
Yeah, he had a, a joke for our first actor. Is uh, He met the guy that was playing Walter, who um, I just kind of shot in the middle of the two ages you'll play, because you play, like, Walter at the start of Twin Galaxies and then Walter now. Um, so Ryan's in his 30s, very nice full head of hair. So Billy meets Ryan and goes, you have too much hair to be Walter Day. Then he meets Luke, who's, you know... He's got most of his hair, but he's getting a little bit of the widow's peak, the male pattern. And he's like, and you don't have enough hair. And that's like his favorite joke about our first actor. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, you're going to be stumped when you meet Steve because he's got the hair. But now his thing with Steve is the height. He's not as tall as Bill. Right. So he says that Steve looks like him when he was about 14 because he was shorter then. <laughs> but his wife disagreed, right? Yeah, his wife said you weren't shorter. You're just saying that to make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. And I also was impressed about the Steve Weeby. You really got the gray hair a lot looking like him. Yeah, that's um, that's actually a wig. So I, I bought a um, an old lady's wig and cut it into a nice kind of groomed male style. And we'll just slap that on when Steve is present day Steve because we also flash back a little bit with him so the actor has natural blonde hair he's quite young and then we just give him the gray hair little W on his cap and people usually get that he's Steve Weeby <laughs> before he says it yeah it's interesting because when King of Kong was was released Steve Weeby didn't have gray hair mm -mm. it just got great in the uh, last few years. Well, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of stress in the competitive gaming. Yeah, it's so, been a colorful couple of years in gaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. So tell us a bit more about what what to expect on stage. Um, you you well, said that the first show was an hour and then... Yeah, well, the, you, you mentioned that the first show uh, addresses um, or the first, the first version uh, addressed the whole uh, controversy from the last couple of years with the the whole meme gate and all that stuff. How exactly is it? Does it address that? Like you know, because because we've been back and forth with it, and and we're not even sure like <laughs> what, what to make of it all. You know, it's very dense. You know, I I told him this as well, but the first show that I wrote was not so nice. <laughs> um, okay. It was not very pleasant to him. And that's why I kind of reached out. Cause you know, I heard like, Oh, well he's going to sue you. And here he comes. And the man that I met was not what I was told about. And that's when I kind of backtracked and I was like, I need to do my homework here and I need to make up my own mind. And I need to make sure that I'm doing justice to the person I'm trying to tell a biographical piece about. Um, so I am of the opinion of the minority. Um, I, I have found some stuff that would lead me to believe that this is not a cheating scandal at all. It was a um, a downgrade of the tape's quality throughout the years. And we're analyzing old footage, and it doesn't look great, but he did not cheat at Donkey Kong. Right. Um, so... Um, it's based on the incredible true story, but it very quickly kind of devolves into almost a Scooby-Doo-esque mystery where we're locking people inside of Donkey Kongs and yeah. things become very fantastical so that it's separated from all reality for everybody involved and nobody has to take it too seriously. Um, my goal was to not make anybody the bad guy here. Like, I mean, I guess if you have to split hairs, Weeby is the bad guy in the play, but I think he's still very sympathetic and, and you like him and he's funny and hmm. I don't, I didn't want to hurt any feelings. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like that's necessary. So I, I feel like I know what happened, but 
I only give you your little clues. If you've done your homework, you might pick up some clues in there. But for the most part, it is parody. Just to just to go back to what you said at the beginning of answering the question, you said that you had no idea what was right or what was wrong. You didn't have so much background knowledge. And I felt while interviewing Richie Knuckles and Walter Day, I know that Walter and Richie, they both told me they were very surprised how much background I had before I did interview both of them. Um, and I remember that, Walter, you told me like, wow, you know so much, you, you have to talk to Billy, you know. Um, uh, it, it, it gave me the feeling that um, sometimes you guys were asked to do interviews or talk about about the arcade thing without so much with, without so much um, knowledge by the person who interviews you. So I didn't I didn't know back at the day that that I was so special. I thought that it's quite um, normal to first make your background check and then talk to the person. So you have some. Um, knowledge but maybe i recall it wrong i don't know walter but i think i think you were kind of surprised that i that i approached you with you some knowledge anything, i had basically that you knew something yeah exactly well as as the years have gone on i become more and more impressed how good of a person billy is Billy Mitchell's a very, very good person. And this is what people are finding out on a firsthand basis when they meet him in person. Mm -hmm. However, if you meet his image on Reddit or other places like that, you think he's the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> he's, he could be, he could become a documentary that studies just that phenomena of how the internet has created an illusionary world that right now is basically hijacked by the forces of negativity, okay? Tremendous amount of negativity, so that even when a positive thing goes out, quite often in different corners of the internet, it doesn't get the uh, promotion and the publicity and the exposure and the embracing, uh, and embracing support and expansiveness that unfortunately negative items will get. Mm -hmm. So Billy actually is a cosmic, cosmic example that should be turned into a into a documentary of how a person and his online persona do not match up. He essentially is an extremely good person. In fact, he's growing more as he grows more and more mature, as he grows older and older, he's becoming a better and better and gooder and gooder person. And I marvel at how good and cosmically embracing and supportive and kindiest to other people. However, the online thing that goes across all these people uh, is the most it's just it's just terrible. Yeah. And uh, he's just one of probably hundreds of thousands of people who are being hurt by the Internet because a lot of people out there, especially young people, are very wounded. They're wounded in that their brains aren't working right, their emotions aren't working right, their physiology has tanked. So therefore, they have terrible, terrible amount of anger, uh, frustration fear, a sense of not being loved or embraced or supported or being uh, uh, acknowledged or being uh, accepted, a tremendous rejection. And what they do is for some phenomenal reason is that they're able, like birds of a feather, flock together 
because someone will raise the beacon of negativity someplace on the internet, mm-hmm. and all the moss of negativity will flood will f- flood to that huge beacon of light or darkness, rather, might be a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And they get there, and when when twenty thousand people who have all the same psychological emotional issues of negativity all get together and start and, and they and they and they and they pass that they like pass the ball around like here's the Billy Mitchell ball, so we'll all hate on them. They'll do it to lots of people. So there's this incredible phenomenology going on of negativity mm-hmm. getting together and and uh, what and and, and 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 it's like feedback. It's like you know when apps or speakers or microphones right. are too close a huge feedback. It's a feedback of negativity where they become so deluded by their excessive negativity that none of them have the ability, even for a moment, to, to do any kind of rational, clear-headed thinking and really get to the bottom of something and say, this guy's good, we shouldn't be doing this. They just all sweep, they all sweep each other away. It's like a huge, like in Australia, if it starts raining heavily, there can be a flood, there can be a flash flood. They are a flash flood of negativity. And so that's all I need to say about that. And unfortunately, right now, that's a very dominating fact uh, uh, facet of the internet so therefore you have to be really questioning some alleged facts or alleged violation that Billy alleged did because most likely in fact it's almost all not true that's why I stay behind Billy and I'm part I'm going to be I'm going to be testifying uh, in support of him because I was there and I saw that he didn't use MAME and I saw that he knew how to play the game so it would have been harder it would have been harder a thousand times harder to make a false ROM chip or something right. or to use name or something like that. Why would he go through all that when he knows how to play the game and it's easier and simpler and more straightforward to just play the game with your skill set? So, but that kind Bill of... has more trouble getting on Skype than Walter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like this yeah. guy that we said had like stitched together like MAME tapes and MAME footages from years ago. It's, it's, it doesn't add up. Oh, yeah. It really it's doesn't. incredible. It's an incredible feat of unbelievable level of intelligence and detailed, creative, amazing skill. They have allegedly made screen by screen, save by screen, save a falsified game that would look real. It simply can't be done. The best, best gamer, the, be- the, the, the best, best programmer working with the best, best Donkey Kong gamer couldn't pull it off. You'd be able to see that it's some sort of Frankenstein monster. I can attest but, to, to Billy as a, as a, you know, general a nice guy. Um, I, I met him a few years back at a video game con in New Jersey, and uh, it was shortly after Jurg had just done a, a video interview with him, in which, as as you mentioned, it was a uh, trial getting him onto Skype. You know, I think I think um, I think actually Richie Knuckles had to basically do it for him and stand there, right, Jurg? Mm-hmm. No, no, it was it, it, it was somebody else okay. actually that had okay. an, that had an arcade. Okay, I, I guess way. it was a it was a plumper. Yeah, I don't know what his name was. Was his name Casey or something? I, I don't I don't know. But I, either Tom? way, either way. So I I met you know it was shortly after uh, that, and I met him there, and I said you know hi I'm AJ I, I work with you know Scene World you know we just did an interview, and I could see that he had no idea who, what I was talking about because he talks to. <laughs> you know, 500 people a day, you know, so it's, you know, one interview he did, he doesn't, you know, but he still, he was like, oh yeah, 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 okay, and 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 we talked, and he was friendly, and he made time for me, and, you know, took some pictures, and at the end of everything, after everyone had gone home, he was still there helping people load their machines up onto the trucks afterwards, yep. you know, I mean, this this is a guy that, that 
when you see him from afar, you know, it's kind of this caricature of like, you know, Billy Mitchell thumbs up standing on the machines with a ridiculous tie and all that. And it's like, yep, that's, that's, that's a caricature. But the actual, when you actually like meet him, he's, he's just a nice guy. Mm-hmm. I just looked it up. It was the Carrie Chaney's arcade. Okay. Okay. I guess you both know him, Carrie Chaney? Yeah, Carrie Chaney is a wonderful person. He's in Cincinnati. He's in Cincinnati. So uh, I don't know. Would he have been at the, would Carrie have been at the New Jersey event? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. no. He he made he made the he made the Skype conversation for that's, Billy for me. Yeah. That's right. All right. Okay. So it's a few years. That's that's. I think that would have been maybe 2015 or 16 yes, or exactly. exactly yeah. yeah, 15. Yeah, that's right. We had a big event there. I had a big awards ceremony. Mm-hmm. So uh, so. So here's my two questions for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, somewhere over the rainbow, the coronavirus plague will go away. <laughs> yeah. And oh, we're yeah. going to have to – we have not yet had a big New Jersey trading card award ceremony. Mm-hmm. And we've never had a big Germany trading card award ceremony. So maybe we combine them and do the German New Jersey trading <laughs> card award ceremony. The German Jersey. We'll have, yeah. Jersey. we'll have it in New Jersey, but we'll conduct it in German, Ooh. or we'll German. have it in Germany, or we'll have it in Germany and conduct it in New Jerseyan. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I spoke to Rainer Grapol about it. Um, AJ knows who Rainer yes. is because we made an interview with him too. Yes, yes. And he said, "You, you are welcome to come to Germany." And maybe we can even help a bit on the financial side. Whatever you had in mind, we will have, have to, to discuss something that. Something on the financial side would have to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because I just, you know, like. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I. I don't own bank accounts. So yeah. I'll sure. Have to pay for all, you know? Sure. So. So I guess. I guess from from how I see it now, um, it will probably most most likely happen next year. I don't think that. Um, the borders will open this year, and if they open this year, maybe in autumn, so maybe October or something. Well, you're probably right. The the uh, the the vi- It's like it's like in a sport when someone kicks the ball hmm. across the field, whether it's soccer or American baseball, and eventually the ball will start slowing down. But yes. it might have to. It may have to all roll all the way to the fence, as in American baseball, or all the yeah. way to a. So, in other words, this virus thing is going to have. It's going to. It's 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 the process that's going to have to slow itself down, to roll itself all the way to the fence. So it could yeah. take. I'm presuming that the. I'm presuming that in June we're still going to be kind of freaked out oh, over yeah. it. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. 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 But but from a Rhinos side, you are welcome anytime, and we can make something. Hey, even just if we have to do it virtually, figure. do it virtually, yeah. and I, I'll help any way I can because I gotta, you know, any, any oh, way to well, get my 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 own trading card because Jurg's been throwing his in my face for like a couple of years <laughs> now. Well, let me tell you, you you qualify for you are eligible for a trading card because I I, I gave Jurg a, a very long lecture on this. <laughs> What you're doing, essentially, is a very strong variation on what in a, what in a history researcher's field will be considered a, a oral history. Right. What you're doing is it's oral history. And remember, remember, Yarg, I gave you a long talk on that. 
Oh yeah, oh yes, I have it all on video. It's all on YouTube. People can watch it. French oral history is extremely profound. Uh, you take you take a historian who goes through a lot of documentation, and eventually they merge it all together, and eventually they refine it, and eventually they come out with their finished piece, which if they're well, depending on their their position, academia will become uh, either something published in journals, mm-hmm. or it'll be published as a book. And be published by a, a university press, maybe a university press, probably. Right. But the cool thing about oh, she's got one too. About, yeah, I'm the only the cool one here with that about, one. Yeah. The cool <laughs> thing about oral history that, from a military point of view, it's like the cavalry. Like, mm-hmm. and remember that you know, but you know a little mm-hmm. bit about the Civil War, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You know the cavalry. You know some of the most important elements of, of military functions, military strategies, is the ha- cavalry. That's on horseback because they're very mobile. They can turn on a dime. They can do lots of things. So essentially, you can go in and with oral history, just grab some important points. You know, the person can be on their deathbed. You can go in there and rush, sit beside them with your tape recorder or your notepad, and you can take down some important oral history right. that simply was not going to be. There just was no timing. There just was any other way to do it other than get it down right then and there. So it's sort of like cavalry to me as opposed to the big, slow, plodding army that goes through all their academic stuff. They get all this stuff researched and this stuff and annotated and foot, you know, and footmarks you know, you know, and stuff like that. So oral history is so, so important. And quite often you can go and get an incredible amount of important, vital stuff that uh, – you know, off the cuff, that will benefit future generations as they examine the history of this person or the history of this company or this game or something like that. <laughs> Actually, we had the same conversation at the end of last year with archive.org with yeah. Jason Scott, who is the head archivist of archive.org. The Internet Archive, you probably know it. Oh, I know it well. I remember when they first started taking the pages from Twin Galaxies in March 1997. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, so, I don't I think they were brand new. I don't think they were much older than March 1997. Yeah. No, they weren't. But did they explain to the, the legal stuff they had? To, at some point, they had to go through legal battles, didn't they? No, the, yeah, continuously. They, they, they told us about it. Yeah. And they, he explained the same you did just now, saying like oral history and how important it is to, to just have a recording, what somebody says, even if it's a bad recording, because at this point in time, you are the only one having this mm-hmm. recording. So it doesn't matter how Absolutely. bad the recording is. Hey, what's his name? Is it Jason Scott, you said? Yes. Jason Scott, he is the head of, of the archive um, I process. I want to do a trading card on him. I will, I will, I will put you that. together. I will put you together. Because... Because not only is he documenting the culture of our times, but indirectly, inferentially, he's documenting the, the, the gaming culture of our times because right. he's caking as much of it uh, on tap as possible. So mm-hmm. I had never even thought of him before, but he'd be a wonderful person to honor for his documentarist work. Right. He, his, his homepage is textfiles.com. Yeah, that's the other thing. Oh. Yeah, because he, he – Boy, all isn't these- that – I mean, the girls must really be chasing him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but he has Isn't a big so romantic? Casey, Casey, doesn't that mean you want to meet Jason Scott? 
I mean, it does sound like he has lots of interesting things to talk about on tap. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's got the the textfiles.org. That's the um, you know, all these yeah. these BBS files from the 80s and stuff that were stored on there and he's archiving all of that stuff. Oh my yeah. god, he's got some great stuff. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe you guys know this, but I was thinking this just a couple of days ago. I probably have 30 different television broadcast things. Mm-hmm. that are left over from all my years. And I know that a whole bunch of things that I was in, for instance, and maybe other people were in, uh, they don't exist anymore because TV stations commonly didn't have uh, enough well, money to be able to, they, to maintain a full morgue. Right. Yeah. So, would, so all my earliest TV appearances, the tapes got used again for the next night's news. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But, yeah. but if they, I don't know if they've ever put the plea out for everybody who has in their home old videotape collection, some things that they recorded. I'll bet if everybody in America was to submit all the stuff they got, like I submitted my 20 or 25 things, mm-hmm. it'd be, it could be hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not even more, of TV broadcast things oh, yeah. that otherwise have no other existing copy. Yep. I don't I know if he's gone you- on that track to try that or not yet. Um, they, they, are actually, um, re- they are actually archiving that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I will put you together. I see you. Know. You, you will. You will be wonderful talking to each other. <laughs> um, Things to chat about. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a bit sidetracked. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, you, you guys talk for a second. I have to leave the room for a minute. Okay. Okay. Keep talking. I'll be. I'll be back. Alrighty. So. Um, well, working on preparing my card is what he's doing. He was actually he was actually finding the cards for the German video, uh, video game and pinball museum mm-hmm. from Reiner because Reiner said the cards never arrived. Walter found the pack of the cards. <laughs> so, nice, nice. While we were waiting for you, Walter found the cards for uh, for Reiner. <laughs> so anyway, um Let's continue with the musical. Yes, I think I think at the beginning you, I asked you if it's more like a theater piece or more like a musical, and you answered to me it's more a theater piece. But we are making so much songs on it, it turned out to be more like a musical. Yeah, I I think it's a little bit talky to be a traditional musical because like. In like a traditional Broadway musical, it's definitely more sung than spoken line. Mm-hmm. Um, the story's so dense, and I wanted to be able to use like some actual quotes and um, some speeches and stuff that like Bill had actually said. Um, so there's a lot more um, scene work in this show. Um, I guess by like theater technicality, it would be a play with music. Um, I just call it a musical because most people consider a play where characters tend to break out in songs a musical and. <laughs> They don't really question me too far on that, but definitely um, very, very scenically heavy for a musical. Hmm. Hmm. I, I have to admit, in my childhood, when we went to a musical for school, I only went then be, there because it meant no lessons. <laughs> so, of um, a lot of people in the world. So. I tell the guys that it's kind of funny. I'm working in a dying art form, and they're kind of working in a dying technology field. Um, eventually, there won't be any more CRTs to run these arcade games. Eventually, yeah. um, live theater might kind of dissipate out because streaming media and 
film media is just frankly more popular. So mm. Billy's son liked that one. He's like, Casey says. <laughs> so that's my quotable in the arcade scene. Mm. That was a good time for musicals, actually, because, you know, we've seen things yeah. like Hamilton and whatnot have really blown up and, and been super popular where, mm-hmm. you know, musicals. I was a kid in the 90s, so like I was a rent baby. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it's a it's a nice time for that. Will there be a soundtrack released? We're working on that actually. So I do have um, a few recordings of the show that we've had professionally done um, that I sent over to Yorg that um, has really good recording of the music. Um, I just want to get the guys into an actual sound studio so that we can um, get that as clear as possible. So now that we're on a covid quarantine right now we obviously can't all get together because there's uh more than five of us involved in the show but when we're able to meet again and and get some good vocals done on that we're definitely going to release a soundtrack awesome will walter play the guitar (laughs) (laughs) um he does in the new version i would love to do a version of arcade fire where walter just played walter that's my dream like get the guy I keep telling Bill, too, like, he could memorize it, and it's mostly stuff he's already said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is because um, at the beginning I, I, I said that the uh, actor who plays Walter Day is the only one I saw so far that doesn't really look like Walter. We had to, we had to do some uh, costuming. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, right, right, right. I was lucky. I, I haven't gotten Billy to play himself in the show yet. However, um, this last time we did the show, I had begged and pleaded for about two years. And uh, he finally does play Donkey Kong in the show now. Oh, okay. Wow, so it's no longer a fake arcade machine? Well, um, the, the Donkey Kong voice that you hear in the show, um, spoilers, people who haven't seen the show yet, but... Um, at the Kong off in the play, um, they end up locking Brian Koo in a Donkey Kong so that he can't help Billy uh, win the Kong off and redeem himself in the cheating scandal. And so Brian has kind of this uh, Indian mystic vision quest where he speaks to Donkey Kong inside this arcade machine. And I always thought it would be fantastic to have Billy Mitchell voice Donkey Kong. So he's <laughs> talking ah. about his son William knowing the ways of Kong, but he's just talking about himself. And uh, Billy actually sat down in a sound studio with uh, our friend Scott Liberto and recorded that for me. And uh, we've animated Donkey Kong to be Billy's voice. And it's one of my favorite cameos I've ever done in my theatrical career. I mean, that's pretty solid casting. Okay, <laughs> it is. So yeah. now we know that, that uh, Donkey Kong speaks English. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe he's so mythical he can speak whatever native tongue of the listener, <laughs> however he needs to be heard. Hey, I'm curious about New Jersey. Yes. We have a trading card awards ceremony for New Jersey. Where should it be? That's a Is good it, question. Would it be Atlantic, it be Atlantic show? Mm, I don't know. Um, I mean, there's... She, didn't, she didn't seem too particular about excited about it last year, so maybe... A... Hmm. We need, need to find some other venue. Yeah. Um, I know that there's um, uh, a video game con runs every year. That's uh, that's always... I, I feel like that can use more stuff than it actually has. 
because um, generally <laughs> speaking, it usually runs from Saturday and Sunday in mm-hmm. September, and uh, usually the Saturday is packed, and Sunday is kind of like dwindling down at that point. Like there's not so much stuff, and I know they try to fill it with events and panels and stuff, and something like that would be, I feel like, would be great for like the the, sun, the second day of the festival. That's great that you actually mentioned that because um, they're trying to move the Kong off. Um, it had been in Banning, California, partnered with Arcade Expo. Mm-hmm. Um, but Richie is trying to bring it back to Jersey so that he can do it closer to his own personal arcade. Mm. Um, and the travel expenses for everybody will be a, a lot less going into right. Jersey than all the mm. way out in Banning. Um, but he's looking for a convention that he can kind of pair up with. Mm. And, you know, our plan was to bring the Kong off, bring the musical, mm. bring Bill and Walter and and kind of be able to supplement something that already exists right, as right. opposed to like trying to start something from scratch because mm-hmm. event-wise, that's pretty tough. So Now, Richie and Paul Solomine, who runs a video game con, had a, a something of a beef. I don't know if Paul yeah. has the beef, but Richie has the beef. So oh, I yeah. don't know. Richie wasn't happy. happy. <laughs> yeah. Richie wasn't that's happy. That's what you find sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know what the. I don't remember what the 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 specifics of it were. Uh, mm. I think. I think a lot of it may have been the fact that it was like, I, you know, it was like the very first con that this guy had ever actually organized, and so yeah. things may not have gone as smoothly as they planned. And yeah, but that's. But other than that, I'm not. I'm not exactly. Do you remember what it was, Jurg? No, um, um, I, I remember that when we when we had Richard Knuckles for um, for the podcast and we interviewed him, and you mentioned Paul Solomon and a video game con, he exploded. Yeah, and he said like that that none none of the agreements that all of them had with Paul were happening. Um, something about payment issues. Um, but I don't remember any specifics. Yeah. It was basically that they had an agreement that they felt like Paul didn't care to match or fulfill. Okay. But I don't know any specifics. I, I to... don't... The expos and the cons can be difficult because yeah. you're getting a lot of people involved to make financial transactions. Like I've even had hiccups in my uh, my small three years in doing this because right. like, we'll go out to the convention and they'll quote us a certain amount of money that we'll probably be able to make and then the convention itself just doesn't make that and mm-hmm. you kind of get into some, some difficult territory with that. So. Right. And I, uh, I know Richie can be a little spicy sometimes. Yes, <laughs> yes, he can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He is also um, a character. He's a personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but we, we we try to bring people together though, so maybe we can. Yes. Yeah, maybe I, we can I'm in the same boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The interesting story about this about this is actually that um, I learned about a video game con do it to a live stream by Richie Knuckles. Mm-hmm. And I follow Rich Knuckles on Twitch, and he had a Twitch live stream where where Paul Solomon was actually organizing this, and he started taking the first donations live in that show, and he actually made a Kickstarter, and I sent the link of the Kickstarter to AJ, and AJ was like, "This entry ticket price is too cheap. This yeah. can't be real." And then you showed up, and you, for one, you were surprised how packed it was, 
And second, you were surprised that the ticket price was really so low. Yeah. Am I, I remembering that I right? One, yeah, no, you're right. Near Chicago in Bloomington, Illinois, um, they just recently paired with a big esports competition, and they were just a small little classic gaming convention. Um, and they initially didn't think that they were going to be able to bring both the musical and Billy out, but we were very thankful that mm. they did because they were a really low mm. ticket cost for a three day convention. It was like $35. Mm. And they had panels, they had like hundreds of vendors, and that was kind of what me and Bill were wondering is like, I mean, they must be doing well because, you know, we're here and we're paid, but like right. you would mm. think people would be willing to pay more. Like there's one in Indiana, um, it's like a Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop convention that's kind of been gradually bleeding out into video games and other types of gaming called Gen Con. Mm -hmm. And there are 80,000 attendees at this thing. And that ticket cost is like 240 something dollars uh, for a four day convention, <sighs> which yeah, and so like when I heard that this other one's like thirty five bucks, I was like, well, <laughs> it was it wasn't even so much. It was like twenty dollars yeah. or something, right? Twenty, I think it was, right? I don't remember I know correctly. That it has, uh, people mm. complain about it too. Like it, it very quickly spiked, and as it's gotten larger and larger, like some of the um, the merch table stuff has increased. Like mm. it's like over two thousand dollars to even get like a little merch table if you wanted to present your um yeah. stuff yeah. there so we were lucky to be out at gen con one year um mm. through the graces of a friend who runs the arcade through gen con but mm. yeah right. we certainly wouldn't have been buying in our own table at at gen con cost but yeah. but i can put you in touch with paul if you like sure um yeah um, I, i've reached out with um with richie just to help him like maybe organize some stuff for kong off eight um I know that's kind of the big thing for him right now is right. it costs a lot of money to put on the things. It costs um, a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're both kind of operating in the same regard where we don't have a huge team. So I said, you know, if you want to do Kong off eight, um, I will certainly be happy to at cost bring the musical. Like I don't need an appearance fee. Um, just give me a place to crash and a place to store some actors and we can come up with a really yeah. cool fun event and kind of get everybody together um, but yeah, that's that's been the big thing he's tossed back is that he doesn't want to try to just do it in his arcade or do it in an arcade um, where we're renting out the cost of it. Um, it just makes more sense to him to pair with the gaming convention that already has a little bit of an audience so that we could be one event within mm -hmm. this multi-day event, mm -hmm. um, which that's kind of what we did in Bloomington as well. And it worked out very well for the musical. We had some good attendance with that and. That's actually where we got our recordings done and everything. So sure. All righty. So I will send a couple of emails to you and Walter yes. this evening. No problem. <laughs> I'll use wow. my, my quarantine. I've been using a lot of uh, time to just reach out and try to set oh. up next year because yeah, I, I, I did so many phone calls because everybody is at home. Yeah. These yeah. Days. Everybody is so easy to catch on the phone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, do we have time for an interview? Of course I have time. I have nothing to do. Yeah. yeah. Very uh, true. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're Billy Mitchell, then you get you get yeah, well, But as I said before, we can make a follow up. No problem with oh, me. Oh yeah. yeah. No problem. Um, alrighty. So well, we got. So, in other words, you are trying to find other events where you can actually show your musical. Yeah, we've um, we've done quite a few. We've done it eight times over the course of three years. Um, so for any show that I've written, that's um, that's a lot of production for the yeah. show. Um, we've cycled through um, 
about two to four actors in each role. Um, people have come and gone. Um, and we've stayed fairly centric to the Midwest where I live because it just keeps travel costs low. Uh, we certainly tried to look into going to Banning um, for the Kong off that I attended by myself. But just even though it's a small cast show, it's only five characters. It's still five characters, and then I have to bring my two technicians that run the show and run the effects and the lights and everything, and then have a place where it is kind of similar to a stage or similar to, like, you know, a light show that we can set up um, to, to do it. So it's it stayed kind of close to home um, so we can drive there. But if we find the right fit, um, we're at a position now just um, with what we have um, accrued, like, equipment-wise, that we could bring it fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, fairly cheap for an event of our scale. I wonder why I never heard about that before, but <laughs> well, yeah. thanks to Facebook, now yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we've even talked to a few guys, um, the Australian guys that do the Australian Kong off are super interested in having the show out, and they had um, Billy and Walter out last year, and Bill actually won the Australian Kong off, so that was a big deal during mm-hmm. the, uh, the scandal. How could he be cheating and still win the Kong off? Um, yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's been interesting to kind of see how far we can reach, but the cost yeah. to go to Australia for five people was yeah, beyond so. astronomical. Yeah. <laughs> so not there yet, but maybe one day. <laughs> Actually, because we mentioned it a couple of times now, um, maybe we should. Dig a bit a bit deeper into that. I think it all started actually not with Billy, but with um, um, Todd Rogers actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and um, his his uh, game. I don't remember what game it was. Dragster. Dragster. Right. Right. And... I'm, I'm up on my video game cheating scandals at this point. <laughs> yeah. In my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. I actually get um, there about Todd that um, after some time of developing the show, things come and go with the show, and mm. that was the one thing actually that Billy asked me to remove. He uh, he said that he didn't want us to make fun of Todd, um, so I respected that. He'll take all the jokes on himself. I can call him a greasy hot sauce fart and whatever ah, I want to call okay. him. The show, but, <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> Um, you know, Twin Galaxies has new owners, and yeah. um, I used to know the head of of editors for the news blog. He is not he is not the head of ed, uh, news anymore, but he used to be. And he asked me, "Hey, this Todd Rogers thing came up in the forums, and they they prefer to stay." Um, Separated the forums claims and the news blog. It's it's a separated thing. So he yeah. asked me like he asked around on his Facebook wall, the head of editorial news. He asked if he has any friends that can um, source him to former employees of Activision. And it was like, oh, I have the oh. contact data of David Train, who's the coder of the game. So oh wow. Um, so this this article they made about uh, Todd Rogers' scandal and the point of view from um, from the coder of the game from Activision, David Crane, was actually based on on contact details I I gave them. So um, and, and and his point of view was that the score was impossible, correct? No, no. David Crane actually said his point of view was that the 
that he probably was possible oh, and okay. it wasn't cheated. Okay. Because I was going to say, yeah. you know, a lot of times there was something where the coder of the game said, you know, it's not possible to get that score. And yeah. and as a coder, I can yeah. I can tell you that that I if just because you coded the game doesn't mean you know how to play it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me yeah. let me tell you a story. So, yeah. uh, in in early 1999, when I was ahead of Twin Galaxies, I organized an official. National Hydro Thunder Championship, mm-hmm. where I worked closely with Midway Games, and the original scoreboard that we started off with for the Hydro Thunder tracks, uh, a lot of those high scores were very high, and they were the actual game designers and game testers, in-house mm-hmm. game testers, and they all thought they had maxed them out. Then when the game finally got out into the outside world, and my champions in my contest began to throw up their scores. Uh, they greatly outstripped the oh, designers' yeah. scores and the and the game tester scores, and they started getting scores that the designers thought were not possible. Mm-hmm. So, so in the long run, all the final scores were all top players. So the top players can go and just drive a game, ride a game, run a game, play a game on a level that defies the game developers predefined expectations. So I've seen that numerous times, but that's the most you know, r- remarkable memory I have of how gamers are on another level than game designers. Oh, yeah. So, so maybe some game designers are right in that they know the max threshold of a certain game, but they can easily not be right too because the gamers are a whole different kind of a... They're wired. Their brains are wired differently. Oh, yeah. The game's going <laughs> to... Get yeah, a, yeah. And, and a lot of times these gamers will think of things that the developers, that the coder actually never, never, you know, like like little, weird little little ways to get around things. You know, maybe the the coder hadn't paid attention to, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 collisions in this one section. It's a little sloppy, and they'll find that one little little thing that lets them squeak through and get there faster. And it's like that's, uh, you know, it's there's there's always stuff like that. You know, as the as the coder, there's. Always, you ne- you you never covered all of it. You know, you 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 know, you <laughs> yeah. made the game. You you put it out there, and people are always going to find something with it that you hadn't hadn't planned on or expected. I mean, but, didn't the but, creators of Pac-Man tell Billy that he knew the game better than they did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, in this particular case, um, David Crane said that Todd Watcher's score was possible. Okay. But uh, we all know Twin Galaxies forum communities thought otherwise. Yeah. The forum uh, can get kind of nasty over there. Yeah, yeah. That's actually why I ended up taking the joke out. Um, I I sort of, the, the joke I was making is that the jury was still out about Bill and that it was like, you know, he... He at least isn't the known the known oil slick of gaming Todd Rogers, and that was like the one thing where Bill was kind of like, "Ooh, can we can we not say that?" <laughs> like that's actually not known. And he told me that same thing is like, you know, they've said that the score is not possible, but there are people that firmly say that the score is possible. And you know, I was there; I saw Todd do it. So that joke went. <laughs> <laughs> I believe so, people's memories a lot more than I believe angry people on a forum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not a technical expert, but um, I know when we did the interview with Richard Knuckles, he was pretty salty about this topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, That's a salty. Pardon? 
Salty and spicy. Yeah. Yeah. German word. <laughs> Salty? No. Salty is a German word. No, no, no. It's not a. It's not a German. Kind of just um, a modern phrase to say yeah. sore on subjects. Yeah. yeah. What if What if something's very salty? Would it become blitz salty? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but actually, I picked that up from another American friend. Um, so I guess it is proper English. I yeah, just yeah. reused it. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> you are correct. Otherwise, I, I would say pepper white or something. Yeah. Pepper white. Pepper white. Like that. That's great. <laughs> Yeah. I like that better, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, it's it's all a very complex topic. I'm glad that yes. I'm just the interviewer. I'm I'm yeah. I'm supposed to be neutral. I don't know who's wrong or who's right. <laughs> I'm just interviewing people. I'm not making the tech and analytics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah better position to be in i think yeah i guess yeah. i guess Let's yeah technicians do the tech stuff yeah right i'm just a user <laughs> and I, I know i'm pretty bad on on all the games mm-hmm. doesn't matter if pac-man donkey kong or something yes we've uh, established <laughs> that quite a bit yeah yeah um all righty yeah. so so what are the next plans for your uh, theater piece um, I actually was talking to a convention in Ohio in May that we were going to go out and do um, a merch table. And then uh, since we do have it recorded, um, I'm trying to develop different ways where the costs can be different. So, like, if it's a really large show like a Gen Con and they can bring out the full-scale live musical, then, yeah, we'll bring out the cast, we'll bring out the set and the costumes. If not, um, maybe just bring, you know, Walter and I out and we can bring a screener. Um, which was actually what we were going to do with this show in Ohio. Um, I was either going to meet Brian Koo or or Bill out there and just do um, a, a visual screening of the, the DVD that we have of it and then a panel. Um, but that show, unfortunately, was canceled as it was in early May. Um, we were looking into doing Gen Con, but now um, since things have been so up in the air as far as like when we can travel and... Uh, I'm not so sure. Um, if we get, you know, a full thumbs up that Gen Con is happening, I might continue to bark up that tree and see if we can get that scheduled. But um, right now, I'm just kind of trying to reach out to shows that are later in the year, maybe in the fall, and um, see if we can find some stuff in that way to um, kind of restart. Because, yeah, the thing in May kind of getting pulled out from under us was uh, oh, yeah. a little bit of a halt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a different show in August, so my August is a little booked, so that's why I'm maybe looking at fall being our next time we will pop up. Um, We've been streaming a little bit on Twitch and on Facebook Lives, but just trying to learn about different ways to do streaming events instead of uh, in-person events, which is what I'm used to, but the new normal, (laughs) I guess, with the virus. (laughs) You know, here in Germany, some people discover the internet finally. This is yeah. true. Yeah, it's, um... Are you actually considering um, making an, um, a commercial release on Blu-ray or what whatsoever? Yeah. Um, we would actually like to do um, kind of like they're doing, like the NBC live musicals um, mm-hmm. that are they still resemble a stage show, but they're definitely more cinematic. Um, it's something you would want to buy on DVD. Right. Uh, any of the money that I raise, like I do, like little artist table stuff and whatnot at conventions as well. So like 
the money that we raise through doing the show or through me selling that stuff is going into the fund so that we can work up to actually filming that. Um, and I, I want to actually film on location. So, like, if we're at Ricky's restaurant in the play, I want to go to Ricky's and be in Ricky's. So I definitely talked to Bill and uh, Richie about that. Like, the Kong off would be shot at the Kong off. And wow. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to work that together um, probably over the course of the next year. I think that that that'll be able to get done. Again, obviously, with everything happening in the yeah. world, virus rise, a lot of our planning has been stalled, but mm-hmm. it is giving us opportunity to kind of streamline stuff and work on stuff in a way that we will be ready to go when we can go. <laughs> you know, the times are so special. Just recently, we had an interview and we got a ritual tour through a museum yes. here in Germany because, wow. like, hey, we can make a ritual tour now because the museum is ent- empty because we have to close yeah. it anyway. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah. it's, been, um, it's been a learning curve for me yeah. a little bit. I mean, like, I'm I'm young enough where, like, the Internet's been in my life the whole time. I mean, obviously, I stalk these guys down on the Internet. Um, but I'm just, I'm not a savvy streamer. I'm not a gamer. So it is kind of relearning how to do what I do because I've grown up doing theater. Like, that's kind of my niche in the world. And conventions became the outlet for this particular show. So just doing things without my team is a little bit hairy, but we're figuring it out. You have to be your own team now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I miss my actors. (laughs) (laughs) So I wonder actually how long does the process take from the theater idea to the final product? Um, Arcade Fire was a really quick turnaround because, uh, like I mentioned, I had that other show written that my actor friend had to pull out of. Um, he pulled out for a very good reason. You know, he found out that uh, his partner was going to be having their first baby, like, right around showtime. So, you know, fair reason to not well, do a play. Congrats to them. Uh, but I, um, I cobbled together the script in about uh, three months. And um, I got in touch with Bill very early. I didn't want to work on it and uh, perfect it over six months to a year um, if he was going to thumbs down and, and not be okay with this this thing being made. Um, so I was very lucky that he uh, got me in touch with his manager and I was able to kind of filter some of the script through him before it came out. Because like I said, I didn't want to get into anything that was too legal or get into anything I shouldn't be talking about. And... Um, it was fun to kind of develop that with him over about six months from when I got in touch with him to when the show actually premiered in August. Wonderful. And yeah, we've been, we've been working on different drafts and, and different incarnations for about three years now. Um, the story hasn't changed too much from draft to draft. Um, it's just gotten maybe a little bit more dense or the jokes have been a little bit more streamlined. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been kind of developing and, and morphing a bit as the story has as well. I guess it's a bit like a classical music piece. People say that the um, old, original Mozart um, music is also played different nowadays because it has modified and reincarnated over the years. I yeah. guess it's the same with the, with the theater piece. My background is in uh, Shakespeare and, like, Renaissance-era theater. Um, So that's very true of, like, different folios of Shakespeare. Like, the first folio translation is sometimes a little bit wildly different from the current translations that we're using today. 
I never thought I would do an interview about music thoughts <laughs> in my life. So hey, you got me covered there. Um, I, I think I Bill's son told me that it was definitely his first musical that he's ever attended. So really, I've you been the art it, education for a lot of gamers. <laughs> here in Germany, we do this in secondary school as part of of um, German lessons. You know, musicals. Yeah. Now yeah, that was part of of my school education. Okay. And everybody was like, "Oh, no, no lessons, <laughs> free time." Of course, we will go. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same like you go to church before Easter, because yeah. when you attended church during school times, you have to you don't have to sit in the classroom. Um, um, you know, mm -hmm. um, except the English lessons. I love the English lessons. Which is a good thing because now I can do this conversation here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Most um, speakers are not bilingual in any other direction, so yeah. 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 <laughs> I heard that a couple of times already. Um, uh, Richie was actually complimenting me already. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that bit. Um, alrighty. So, so was there any? I don't know. Um, any experience in your life that they, they, um, that was the reason you discovered your love in theater? As you mentioned at the, at the beginning of the interview, actually theater is a dying art. <laughs> so was there a key, a key experience? Um, I've always been kind of a showbiz baby. My, um, my mom ran a um, modeling school Uh, locally and she had me doing like some kid modeling and commercials from a very young age. I also did some voice acting work when I was a kid. Mm. Um, I didn't discover theater until I did the high school drama club scene and then it just became um, kind of everything for me. It was uh, my, my lifeblood. I did a lot of acting early on um, and renaissance stuff and that's kind of where I got my, my start in theater. Um, The older I got, I found that I, I enjoyed writing a lot more. Um, I took my first playwriting course in uh, college and started writing and directing, and that's where I found my, my niche as an artist. Um, it's where I'm the most comfortable. I'm not, I'm not terrible at it, but I don't, I, I'm not somebody who really needs that fame or needs to be out on stage, kind of like Walter was saying. I, I like telling the stories and creating the characters, but... I'm definitely a lot more comfortable in the director's chair and the creator's chair than uh, being a stage personality anymore. Um, but yeah, it's been in my life a very long time. Like I've been performing since I was like three and doing theater professionally since I was like 14. So hmm. been kind of a lifelong thing. Right. Awesome. Uh, um, I wonder, have you been in touch with any directors of the countless movies covering the Donkey Kong story and the um, Pac-Man story from different point of views? Or have you not countless? been in touch? Oh, yeah. Well, well countless. <laughs> Let's say six or five or yeah. something. Yeah, there's quite a bit. Um, I actually have Richie's movie over my shoulder here, um, mm -hmm. King of Arcades. Um, so, yeah, Richie's one of the people I've been in touch with, obviously. Um, I've had very limited uh, conversation with the creators of King of Kong. Um, I don't think it's any small secret. Um, a lot of the guys that were involved in that, they're not particularly close with that director because um, 
they feel a little duped. That story, um, nowadays people are more comfortable calling it a mockumentary than yeah. a documentary because um, quite a bit of it is um, is staged and scripted and several people don't know that. So a lot of the stuff that you'll find like on the forums and stuff about Billy is drawing information directly from this documentary where, where things are staged. Right. So it's not exactly how it happened um, because they were trying to create a film with a very clean story. Um, Steve Wiebe wasn't uh, the first person to beat Billy Mitchell's score. He wasn't the first challenger. There was a guy before um, Steve even. And, you know, they just they were trying to make a clean story. Um, Steve and Bill were aware of that, but, you know, a lot of the guys were not aware of that. And so that director has kind of distanced himself from the gaming community because a lot of the guys were just not really happy with the results. Um, but that being said, Seth Gordon actually announced a while ago that he wanted to do a King of Kong musical, so I was a little scared when I started mine. Um, and Billy did tell me that the director did get in touch with him and was like, what are you okaying this King of Kong musical? And he was like, oh no, sir, it's a Billy Mitchell musical, not a King of Kong musical, so... I was almost contacted by the director of King of Kong with a cease and desist, but I, I narrowly evaded it. <laughs> okay, lucky you then. Yeah, yeah very lucky. <laughs> lucky that I was already the friend with, uh, with King of Kong there himself. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, there are other documentaries like Dr. Uh, Kong. Man vs. Snake is my favorite, I will say. <laughs> what is your favorite? Uh, Man vs. Snake, the one about ah. and, uh, Dwayne Richards and Tim yeah. McVeigh. Video game, Tim McVeigh, we should specify. Um, that's my favorite. I I thought it was just really nicely done, um, positive, better uh, better light on Bill, too. <laughs> He's more that's of the actually, one in that one and less of the villain. That's actually true, what, what Walter said earlier, that the internet draws sometimes a weird picture of somebody. I know uh, when before I interviewed um, John Romero, who was one of the designers of Doom, yes. uh, people were actually warning me like he is a he is a narcissist, and he can be <laughs> very hard to handle. And um, he was the nicest guy ever during the interview, so I had no problem, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's funny uh, how that. I, I like what Walter was saying about the internet and kind of the yeah. culture of the internet around Billy because I started affectionately referring to Arcade Fire as a uh, cautionary tale of the internet because um, a lot of the story you'll find like Billy in the play doesn't even know what MAME is. He doesn't know how to get on the internet and so he doesn't take the uh, allegations seriously at the beginning of the play until it all kind of blows up into this yeah. big yeah. Kong off it is the end of the play. So right. it is very much a, um, an anti-internet bullying piece um, rather than a, uh, a technological mm. breakdown of what may or may not have happened in, in the Donkey Kong world. Right. I'm not here to judge. I'm just taking people <laughs> as they are, you know? Um, I, I don't mind making my point known. I think I've done enough homework where I, I have some interesting points I could bring up if, if anybody ever wanted to delve deep into the the technical aspects of, of this story. I never expected I would know such uh, <laughs> extensive things about how a Donkey Kong works as I do now, but <laughs> stranger things have happened in theatrical research to writers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but you have to know your stuff. That's something I yeah. learned. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, Set out to write a musical and you end up understanding the electronics of a Donkey Kong machine. I, I just bought a Donkey Kong too. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, I will be able to pick it up when, you know, lockdown is not happening. So, <laughs> couple weeks. Okay. You're restoring my own arcade machine. Yes, oh, for a prop for yeah. the musical, but also just we'll have one in the house now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And Very I bet nice. it doesn't have MAME inside. Oh no, it's gonna be it's gonna be legit. Uh, part of the thing that we do when we bring the musical out is, um, you know, we'll we'll bring out one of the guys, and it's always good to have a machine on hand, be it a Pac-Man or a Donkey Kong for Bill, so that he can do some gaming demonstrations, and he'll be able to stream on Twitch. Um, actually, a great story: um, opening night of the musical, the day I met him in person, um, I picked him up from the airport, and um, with Fringe. They're all hour-long shows scheduled back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, and our premiere wasn't until 10.30 at night. So I picked them up from the airport around 1 in the afternoon. We got some lunch, met the cast. And then we just had some time to kill, so we ended up going to an arcade that was um, near where the musical was showing. And all of their machines are legit original hardware machines. So he was like, man, I haven't you know really gotten down on some Donkey Kong in a while with all this going on. I was like, well, we've, we've got time. Sit down and play a game. And... You know, he asked me a few times if I was sure. I did not know how long a game of Donkey Kong could be for him when I said I was sure. Um, but he got to play and got to play, and then it was a really good game. And um, he ended up scoring a million forty-seven five hundred, which was one of his contested scores that they uh, took away from him. So he redid it, was able to go further, still had, I think, two men, but he just stood up and uh, killed off the game so that he could kind of redo and restage a score opening night. Um, and we got down right to five minutes before my play was supposed to open um, for him to get this score and be able to announce opening night that he had gotten one of his contested scores back. Um, loaded into the car and tried to speed there, but when we got to our car, my poor boyfriend had locked the keys in the car. Oh. The problem is, all of our music um, like equipment was in there, our mics were in there, our costumes were in there, um, the waivers that the actors have to sign to be able to perform in Fringe were in there. So, um, Brick goes through the window, we load Billy Mitchell in <laughs> with two minutes to get their speed to the show with him sitting on some glass, and rolled into mm. our own musical five minutes late. So, <laughs> that's kind of one of his uh, favorite stories to tell. Wow. <laughs> You're kind of bonded to a guy after all yeah. that. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't understand that. Crazy road stories. Yeah. <laughs> and then Walter arrived the next morning. <laughs> I'm still arriving. <laughs> I, was, I was telling yeah. them about the famous brick at Tappers. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Because he's going to make a trading card of the brick one day. So. Nice. Wow. <laughs> Oh, the brick that no. saved Arcade Fire. <laughs> so many stories. Great. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, we've had some tales. Yeah. So where can I people... apologize for moving around so much, but yeah. this is an extreme work day for me, so I have to keep things moving as we talk. That's okay. Right. Well, I've heard about Walter's book that's behind me here. I'm sure he has a copy there, too. Actually, uh, I don't. Ooh. Well, Walter, while you're there, I will hold it up for them so they can see the book. Okay. Tell them about the Superstars Volume One. No, that's something I still got to. I still um, got to get. Yeah. Right. 
I got my uh, copy direct from Brian Koo, so this is the first uh, edition. Ah, uh, so it's, it's it's still on sale. I will have a look where it's uh, probably Amazon or something. No, no, you can only get them through Walter Day. They're really? All the, all the copies are here at my house, except for <laughs> except for some that are at Neil's house. Really? So okay, so I will write you an email and you tell me how much you want for the book, and then I will get it. So anyway, AJ, you were interrupted. You wanted to ask. I was just going to say, where can people go to find out about all this, and and you know, uh, if there's a website or. Um, Arcade Fire has a Facebook page okay. itself. It's just Arcade Fire, all one word, um, and musical. Um, I also have social media everywhere under either just my name, or you can find me with um, Uncanny Casey. Okay. We have an Instagram. Um, I have a YouTube channel that has some like clips and uh, trailers of the show, as well as just some footage of some of Billy's panels that we've done throughout the years. Um, and that's just my name, Casey Ross. Um, yeah, there's lots of uh, places to find out. It does have a website as well. Um, it's still got a very long URL because I've yet to buy my website. So it's like wix.com slash uncannycasey slash musical. Um, a little bit easier to just go to the Facebook page and click website. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we find us on link. We will put a link so people yes, can just link click it all down our there. Sure. I'll, um, yeah. I'll send all that info and hyperlink your way okay. in the chat here. Okay. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, wonderful. I learned so much today. Thanks yeah. a lot. And Walter, where can everyone go to find out about you, about the, your, your book that, that you have out, where they can get that stuff? and. Well, the trading card, the trading card website is called thewalterdaycollection.com, and uh, people can uh, order the book. Porting, yeah, there it is. Right. People can order it directly through me. In fact, they have to order it directly through me because they they did a Kickstarter. They raised the money. I had nothing to do with that, but that they asked me to write three articles. I think were for it. So I think I authored the text that's on three or four pages, and all the rest okay. of it was done by people who were fans of the trading card set and wanted to honor its tradition and honor its incredible work for, you know, uplifting and honoring the people who are part of this culture. So, and after the Kickstarter's over, they, they gave me all the books to sell. So the books right now, mm-hmm. the books are keeping me alive and paying for food on my table, I'll tell you that. Ooh, yeah. Awesome. Well, this is, I will definitely order a copy yeah. from you. Another email I'm sending to Vulture. Yeah. <laughs> I will be the e- the emailing guy the next day. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I. It is a very dire. It is a very difficult time. Hmm. So, anyway, thank you for the help. Yeah. And I look forward. To, I look forward to doing a trading card here on our on our New Jersey connection here because. Uh, it's a yeah. Good thing. Why not? Why not? And let's definitely keep the cards in for Germany once the travel ban is lifted. Yeah. I really want to meet you and Billy in person. That would be awesome. Well, thank you. It's so nice to talk to you guys. I look forward to seeing you in Germany. Look forward to seeing you in New Jersey. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, the New Jersey con-off will happen very soon. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yes. All right. So, so I will let Reiner know that his cards are found for the museum, Walter, and yep. that, that you are still planning on that, sending them. You have his postal address now that it should all be safe. And okay. I will be sending you an email with contact info of the archive.org 
and my order for the book. Right. right. So thank and, you. Yeah, no problem. Okay, guys. Hey. I guess I need a break. It's night for me here yes, now. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah, it's just four in the afternoon here. So yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's for me. It's um, five. A quarter before eleven p.m. Wow! Yeah, and I didn't have didn't have dinner yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna sign off because I got all the stuff I got to do. But thank you very much for being thank such. Thank you, Walter. Nice, no problem. Thank nice, you. Nice hosts and good friends and great oral historians. Well, thank you. We very are doing much, our so. best. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for sitting with us. Did you sign well, off? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, I think he's that's the thing with new Skype. There it it takes a while till the till yeah. the picture yeah. disappears. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So this this whole interview went went a lot different than originally anticipated. But hey, yeah, no problem. Here, when you're All rolling good. with Walter and Bill, that tends to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I've no learned problem. very quickly to roll with no the punches. Right. <laughs> so Walter, I'm going to now. Off here as well. Right. So bye bye. All right, yeah, thanks for sitting with us. Good to see yeah, you. Yeah, we'll be in touch. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Bye bye. 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 Should we do an outro? Oh, that was Casey Ross and Walter Day. Hey hey. Woohoo! Um, we're gonna put links to everything that they said down there below, where you can go and check it out and and support them. And when this. When when the apocalypse ends and theaters and stage thing, productions are able to recur again, um, go and check it out. Seriously, because it is nifty. It is. I just, I just said nifty, and that's not a word I ever thought I would think I'd say. That that's. Uh, can we take that out? Can we go fix that in post production? Make it something better. Sure. Nifty's sure. terrible. Um. Anyway, you know where to it's get nifty. us. Yeah. Yeah. You know where to get us at podcast at sceneworld.org. Um, you're probably already on the website, YouTube, blah, 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 you know. Well, it's, let's say, it's YouTube slash Sceneworld magazine. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Until next time. That, See ya. That's, that's bye the podcast. Bye. Goodbye. Well, <clears throat> beautiful. The beautiful. good thing is we are moving.